Hi, friends. Welcome to the Mobile Bev Pros Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing mobile bar professionals with the information they need to succeed. I'm your host and fellow mobile bar owner, Sarah Murphy. Each episode, I'll be bringing you interviews, knowledge, anecdotes, or opinions with the goal of assisting you in building a profitable, sustainable, and scalable mobile bar business that will support the lifestyle you dream of. I'm excited for today's episode, so let's get started. All right. In today's show, I'm talking with Matt Maroon, the owner of Happy Camper Bar Car out in Ohio. Matt, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Good to see you again. Same. I was joking around with Matt the other day that these podcast recordings are actually a replacement for my otherwise lackluster social <laughs> life these days in quarantine. And he felt similarly. So we always enjoy our chats together. This was just another good example or a good reason for us yeah. to, uh, to get together. Next best thing to get in drinks at a bar somewhere or something. That's right. It's the, the new norm. Hopefully yeah. not. No, hopefully yeah. not. But <laughs> so today we're going to talk about batching cocktails. And the reason uh-huh. that we've selected this topic is because Matt is one of the industry-leading experts on the subject. He has spoken on it before, the last time he was on the show. If you guys want to dig back through the not... uh, There are too many (laughs) episodes in the archive, but his episode is one of them. And we specifically talked about pegging cocktails. And that is one of the most listened to episodes that we have. So we know that there are people out there who are struggling or even just interested in getting cocktails at quantity for events. Mm -hmm. But not everyone is well-suited for the process of pegging cocktails. Sure. So today I thought we'd talk a little bit about batching in general, maybe give some suggestions on good ways to batch that aren't or don't require pegs. Yeah. And um, let's start off with why it's important for people in the mobile bar industry to know how to batch cocktails. Sure. Yeah. I think actually not even just the mobile bar industry, just the bar industry in general, it's picking up in a lot. And a lot of the reason, honestly, is that cocktails are just high labor. And you you have a wedding, there's a ceremony with 200 people, the ceremony ends and they all kind of turn and shamble over to the bar instantly and you have a 200 person line. So if you're not batching, you're going to need 30 bartenders to get through that in an hour or something like that. It's crazy. With batching, I can have two people and the line's done in 10 minutes. And then also, I think batching gives you an amount of quality control that you maybe don't get, especially if you have an organization where you have several bartenders. I mean, you probably have had the same experience as me where you go to a bartender, a bar you like, and you get a drink and it's great. And then you go back and it's a different bartender and the drink kind of sucks or whatever. Batching is a good way to stop that. It's really good for inventory issues. Like a lot of bars have, that's actually a huge problem for a lot of bars is liquor disappearing for one reason or another. Batching helps solve that problem. It just, it solves so many problems and it doesn't have to be in a keg. A keg is just a convenient vessel for batched cocktails, but there are others. And I honestly believe that every bar should probably take their top like four cocktails and put them on draft, every cocktail bar, because they'll, what they'll find is they crush their lines. I mean, those... Most bars have four or five cocktails that are 80% of the cocktails they serve. So you just put a few of them on on draft or in a jug or in a bottle or in something cool and just crush your lines. I can't tell you how much I wish the restaurant I worked with. I worked at this restaurant on a beach that did mojitos. Uh How badly I wish that they had batched at that time. Yeah. Yeah. It was literal sun, like from the time I got on my shift, to the time I left, I was right. muddling mint 
Uh, and lime with sugar, and my arm just felt like it was going to fall off. The end well, it sounds like they're doing good mojitos, at least. <laughs> they I mean, were nice, fresh for mojitos. you, but yeah. <laughs> they were really, really delicious. But well, that's good. I've had a keg mojito, and it's delicious too. Yeah, yeah, I think they're better, honestly. But mojitos are a little tough. You pretty much have to do those in a keg, like anything carbonated like that. But for non-carbonated cocktails, you can batch them in all sorts of ways. I'm a big fan of bottles. Bottles, I'm lazy, so I put them in a keg and then bottle from a filler into a bottle. <laughs> but you don't have to do that. You can do it in like a big five-gallon container. But the, the reason I like kegs so much is that you can get rid of oxygen, and oxygen's kind of your enemy. So if you're doing these things and you're bottling them without that, either have to do something like buy a little liquid nitrogen or CO2, drop it in there, let it bubble out, and then cap it. Or just make sure to do it the morning of your event from all the ingredients that are probably already cold or to ice it down afterward or something. Because a bottled cocktail that hasn't had the oxygen purged won't last forever. When you when you say bottled cocktail, talk to me about what you mean. Do you mean like individual bottles? Yeah, you can go anyway. You can do big bottles that you then pour out of into glasses or you can do individual bottles. I do some, we've been, actually I have one right here. Oh, this is not a video podcast, but we've been, <laughs> we've been using me oh. holding it up doesn't do much. I kind of peel the label off, but it's a like a medicine vial from the vialstore.com and they come in anywhere from four to 12 ounces or something and they're cheap. So I make little labels that look like prescription labels for them and do some cocktails that way. I well, have that's uh, fun too, because right, like cocktails once upon a time, alcohol in general was considered a medicine. Yeah, I still is just for different, <laughs> different diseases now. <laughs> and I have like these yeah, not a video. I realize. Well, maybe we'll post pictures later or something. But this is a 187 milliliter Flint champagne bottle. So it's like a tiny little champagne bottle that holds, I guess, a quarter of a normal normal wine bottle worth. And you can cap it with a beer capper. Isn't it weird that I just have random bottles of crap laying around in my house? <laughs> it would be it would be weird for anyone who doesn't know you. Yeah, <laughs> it's, and it's just basically coloring, so it's not a real drink. But oh, it's getting moldy. Okay, I gotta throw that out. But, oh. <laughs> Like, oh, it's a hazy. Yeah, because we've been doing delivery cocktails. So I've been making the cocktails in a keg and then bottling from a little bottler that I built, of course, to bottle all the drinks. But you could just as easily fill like one of those little spouted pitchers and bottle from that. As long as it's not carbonated, it'd be fine. Right. And so like yeah. anything that is stirred. Right. Would, would, stirred or shaken. Stirred or shaken. Super so, easy to batch yeah. in the bottle or to put into a five-gallon dispenser. I guess they make them like more three-gallon dispensers. Yeah, yeah. My normal way of, of making those, even when I'm doing a dispenser like that, is to make everything in a five-gallon bucket. If it's a stirred drink, then I just kind of gently start with the spoon because usually those are all liquors that just incorporate really easily. You just put all the ingredients of the Manhattan in the bucket and stir it. It's fine. If it's a shake and drink, I do, you saw at Swig, the drill and paint mixer thing that I had going. Oh, if yes. Well, now I'm, I'm a proud owner now of a, a right. drill and a paint mixer. A really nice drill, I remember. <laughs> And it, and it all stainless paint mixer called a Jiffy mixer is what I buy. There's probably other brands, but the key is to just make sure it's all stainless. So yeah, that, that gives you the good shake in effect. You could also do it in a blender. If you were doing smaller amounts, just put all the ingredients in a blender and blend it. And literally every bartender just shivered right now. Yeah. Well, it's a lot easier when there's no ice. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like the default bartender response. Oh, the blender's broken. To shiver broken. in a blender. Yeah. <laughs> the, the blender's yeah. broken today. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> it's not so bad when you're doing it for yourself because you put all the ingredients in there warm. You don't even have to, ice. you don't put ice in there. You blend it, you pour it, and then you just do that again until you're done. And then you only clean the blender once. So. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the five gallon bucket method when you, you actually developed a batching cheat sheet for the membership group. Right. And 
I was reading through that and it's the five gallon bucket method is brilliant. And I don't know why I didn't think about that sooner because Nobody does. not every event that I bring, I used to bring a keg tabletop keg setup to every event that had cocktails because mm-hmm. it made sense. Mm-hmm. But then what I would find that at a few venues, they had these super long bars unless they were renting mine, right? But they had mm-hmm. these super long bars. And so I'd set up the cocktails on one side and the bartender at the other end was having to like walk around. Mm-hmm. So I could have essentially brought multiple bar tops, but then it's more stuff I have to log in and I log out, right? Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until I read the cheat sheet that you created that I'm like, why am I doing that when I can just create five gallon bucket method mm-hmm. and then it's all pre-batched it's all super consistent mm-hmm. but i don't have to have tabletop pegs set up with the pegs and all the ice so that we're not lugging around all right it's right brilliant. what do you serve when you have the five gallon bucket then how do you serve it to the customer are you pouring it into pitchers and then from pitchers into glass or we pour it into their like wine bottles gotcha we, we use that as like for the mixer i sure yeah so I can get it all prepped except for the alcohol because the alcohol is on site when we get there. Right. And then we, we just finish batching it out there by just pouring in the alcohol. That I mean, makes we sense. Have, yeah. The juices and stuff we bring with us. Yeah. And there's another thing I've called half batching that I've done sometimes where when I have a fairly limited menu, I will like normally you make a whiskey sour. You have like give your whiskey, your lemon, your simple syrup, maybe amaretto. If it's a whiskey amaretto sour, maybe egg white. Basically batch everything but the liquor together. And then at the end, all I'm doing is adding some ice to a tin, adding the whiskey, adding a preset amount of the mixer, shake it. Here you go. So that saves you a lot of time also. Yeah, that's a really good point. So we'll probably make one five gallon with the alcohol in it and then Mm -hmm. leave the second five gallon with just the mixer because I don't want to use more of their alcohol than they'll drink. And it's hard to tell what they're going to drink until you get there. Yeah. 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 I love that method. Yeah. While you were talking about the blender, it popped into my head, frozen drinks. Mm -hmm. Most people hate them. (laughs) You have tackled this beast. Yeah. I love love it when people are like, oh, frozen drinks. You're like, oh my God, that's my dream. What are you bitching about? They're so easy. (laughs) Yeah. All I want in life is like a beach bar with 20 frozen drink machines, like the big ones that look like a front loading washer and just serve to people who walk away and I never see them again. They just come get one awesome drink, walk away. I don't know why. That's my you, dream. I have a feeling that I'm going to be visiting you at your beach bar <laughs> so. not too long. But the one trick that you figured out that I think most people struggle with is the bricks. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. you have created a calculator online. We mentioned right. it last time and we mentioned it again today. It's cocktailcalc.com. That's right. Lot and of yeah, a lot of C's, but it's easy. Cocktailcalc.com. It just got a facelift. So it's even it more user friendly than it was before. It has a pro version and that pro version will give you access to the bricks of any recipe. Yep. So bricks is basically percent sugar by weight. And the reason that's important is both sugar and alcohol depress the freezing temperature of your product. So a frozen drink looks to you like a solid, but it's actually not. It's kind of a mesh of solids and liquids. And you have to get that consistency right because if there's too much liquid, it's too runny. If it's too much solid, it freezes into a block. And sugar and alcohol both do a whole lot of things for that. So what I did was I went around to every gas station I could find about every different brand of frozen beverage and let them thaw out and then put them in a refractometer to see what the sugar content was because I'm a nerd. And then I also kind of just experimented with different ABVs. And I found that if you, as long as you get the bricks right, you have a pretty wide range on the alcohol 
you go anywhere from as low as seven or eight percent up to almost like 15, 20 percent, and it'll still be okay as long as you get the bricks right. It's you can kind of fudge it if it's boozy by making it less sugar, but the texture is still different. It's not bad, it's just a little like I guess grainy, you would say. I don't know, it's strange. I, okay. thought, I, had, <laughs> I thought I had seen the depth of your geekiness <laughs> until you just told the story about going around to every gas station and buying yeah. their frozen drinks. Yeah, and you know, it's out. <laughs> You know, you're onto something too, because when you measure them, they all came back the same of like, I think it was 11%. I wrote it down somewhere, but I think it was somewhere around 11% sugar by weight. They're actually, or maybe it's 12, there's slightly, slightly more sugar in them than in like a can of Coke, just slightly. So it actually turns out that if you take a can of Coke and freeze it, it will, it will turn into a perfect sludge. Which I think we've all accidentally done before. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. Open the can first. (laughs) Because yeah, when you're cleaning it out of your freezer after oh, it's, not it, uh, not it's that perfect slushy consistency. It's not like you can just chip it out and be done with it. You actually have to slosh it around. Right, right. And so Dave Arnold in Liquid Intelligence, he had a really good method of pre-batching frozen drinks where he would put them in Ziploc bags. And you have to do usually at least two at a time just because your blender can't really handle something as small as one drink. If you have a Vitamix anyway, you need to have some minimum amount of liquid. You put them in a Ziploc bag and let them freeze and it will come to a kind of slushy consistency, but the texture isn't great. But then you throw it in a blender and blend it real fast and it's perfect. So we've done really large street festivals where I froze two gallon buckets at a time of that stuff. And then I'll pop open the bucket. You have to make sure to have a, I guess when I do the freezer, I do smaller buckets, but you have to make sure to be able to fit the whole thing in the blender because it kind of separates as it freezes. Mm -hmm. But you can do, you could even do like the big freezer bags and freeze it that way. Drop it in the blender. Then you only have to blend it for just like a second. You have perfect consistency. So when you do street festivals, you opt for the blenders versus those kind of machines, the margarine machines? Machines, because then I can freeze two gallon buckets and just dump the whole two gallon bucket in there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just happened to be sponsored by Vitamix for a year. (laughs) (laughs) They're a local company and I got a free Vitamix out of it and I would do just about anything for a free Vitamix. Right. Okay. They're awesome. What you're saying is that you could either invest a ton of money into one of those margarine machines or use a Vitamix. Yeah. But the nice thing about the machines is they churn it and hold it for you. So when we do the really, really, really high volume stuff, a lot of people just don't know how to do that with frozen cocktails. And I've never seen anyone else do this, but I'll take a chest freezer, put it on wheels, freeze dozens of two gallon buckets full of that stuff and just pop it in. And so you, the, you have to have buckets do you own that? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> a lot of them. I don't know. I've done as many as 50 at a time. I know that. So we've done what's that? 100 gallons of one particular flavor. You must have so. access to a large commercial freezer. Yeah, a walk-in freezer, yeah. Nice. And that's yeah. at your commissary? It is, yeah. And that's the other problem is it turns out you need like three chest freezers to hold all that. So we, it was, it's always a problem on site to get that many chest freezers. I can imagine if I was to pick up your phone right now and go to Facebook Marketplace, the things that would pop up would be airspace, yeah. chest freezers, yeah. buckets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I must own, I own like three or four chest freezers of my own now because anytime someone's like, hey, does anybody want this? I'm like, yes, I will take it. <laughs> if it works, I'll take it. Even if it doesn't work, I'll take it because it's still a big cooler. Because you can fix yeah. it. <laughs> no, I can't. It's just a giant insulated box. So, well, the uh, other amazing life hack that I learned from you was how to turn a regular chest freezer into a geezer. And oh, yeah. Just using that little, uh, what was it called? It was like an iron bird or something. The temperature controller. Oh, ink bird. Yeah. Ink bird. Yeah, that's yeah. right. 
which has been amazing. Yeah, that is great. That's another reason why I can never have too many chest freezers. Because I won eighteen dollar device and it's a refrigerator. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was how I got into all this stuff. Was a home brewer back in the day, and they use those kind of things. They used to cost a lot more, but yeah, now you can buy a cheap Chinese one for eighteen bucks. Yeah, I uh, we've been talking you and I for many years about all the geeky fringe details about running a mobile bar successfully um and one of the best pieces of advice that you gave me at one point was just go search through the homebrewer forums there's a wealth of information there yeah you think i'm a nerd (laughs) (laughs) yeah and there's a lot of conflicting information i think everybody on forums has the ability to give their opinions like in all things it's like any facebook group including our (laughs) own um (laughs) where people are going to give you what has worked for them and it may not be the best. It wasn't, it was actually recently I got into a conversation with a group of mobile bars from the UK, which was really fascinating because they were having keg problems. And and Matt, you're going to appreciate this because you're a geek like this, but they were having keg problems and it was foaming. It was Peroni Mm -hmm. specifically. Their Peroni was foaming. And Everyone was telling them, lower your PSI and like do all of this stuff. And so I kind of came in from the opposite US perspective where it's like, you need to make sure you have the, the short lines or your pressure is correct and it's going to be super cold. And the people in the UK were like, you're an idiot. They're like, you don't need your kegs to be super cold. They're like, room temperature is fine. And I was like, what? And so then I dug into it, of course, because I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't understand the, the science behind this. And in the UK, a good portion of their kegs do a second fermentation in the keg. And that's okay. how they store them in the cellars of all these pubs. And they kind of come out what to us is like room temperature. Right. It's not necessarily room temperature, but that second fermentation does a little something to the effervescence of it that makes it not quite as bubbly as we like our beer here in America. Right. But yeah. also they have to be in that like magic temperature, which is warmer than we like our beer in order right. to undergo that second fermentation. Right, right. fascinating. That's but then true. I reminded them they were working with an Italian beer that doesn't go through that second fermentation and it probably was a temperature issue. <laughs> yeah, I think Peroni is a little on the higher carbonated side, if I remember correctly. And yeah. I want to yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure the temperature was the problem in that in that case. But yeah. it, was, it was an interesting geek moment for me to be like, what are you talking about? You're keeping it like room temperature? And then uh, and yeah, that's why. Yeah, have a beer engine? Like the thing they used to serve that stuff out of? No. Weird. It's so old timey beers used to be at room temperature or not, at least not very cold. And yeah, they were all uh, cask conditioned or bottle fermented or whatever. And they had this little thing with like a handle that you kind of wiggle and the beer comes. Yeah. They still have those. I visited Cornwall last summer and all of their kind of house beers, if you just order a beer, they're going to give you one that kind of has this, you almost pump it with the the keg handle. Yeah, it's called a beer engine. The hipsters are starting to bring them back. And I don't know why, because the beer on them is gross. It's like warm and flat (laughs) beer. Why do you want this? We moved away from that because it was gross. Why are we going back to it? And all of our UK bars that may be listening right now are spinning. I I went to the UK and I I expected every, all the beer there to be warm because I heard that and I did not see a warm beer the whole time I was there. Granted, that was 20 years ago, but like, you know, (laughs) I just had old Innocence Mimics. Yeah. Well, I think it's missing. I think it's misinterpreted as warm. It's flatter than we like our carbonated beer. And so it probably doesn't have that same refreshing effervescence that we're used to. But I didn't have a cold beer while I was there. Really? It was a little, it wasn't as effervescent. It just wasn't yeah. as bubbly as we like our beer. I do like my beer bubbly. I do too, especially after like a run. Nice yeah. and cold and bubbly. Or during a quarantine. Or during a run. <laughs> they have those. 
yeah. they're like beer runs. Yeah, I don't think I could do that. I mean, I'd be up to watching you try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so while we're talking about batching, yeah. another hack that you have introduced me to that has been incredibly valuable is the, and the reason I bring this up is because I noticed that a lot of mobile bars start doing simple syrups and the like from their home kitchens, which as mm-hmm. you and I both know, mm-hmm. not to code. So we're not going to endorse it, but part of that is the fact that people need different flavored simple syrups for their seasonal cocktail recipes. And you, at one point, shared with me that Monin has an amazing selection of flavorings, which has been so instrumental in allowing me not only to like keep my inventory down of these batch simple syrups that I'll buy and freeze from a commissary here, but also they're for the most part, shelf stable. And they have their, the flavors are really good. They're, they're mm-hmm. almost as bright and fresh tasting as the ones that I would make myself anyways. Right. Right. So what are your favorite Monin syrups to use? Yeah. So funny story. That's actually one of my other products that I'm working on is kind of a competitor to that just for people who do cocktails. Oh, nice. Cause mostly just in more convenient packaging and more all natural and hopefully a little better flavors. So here's the thing. The way they're making it is they're basically combining distillates with glycerin, mm-hmm. and that's what they're doing. So like, the, what are those called? The little bottles, the Monin uh, flavor concentrates? Yes. Yeah. I actually found those at Piata, which is like a chain restaurant here that they, they put those in lemonade. For reasons that I'm not... Uh, well, I now understand why now that I've been making them. The best ones are the herbs, because those have the best flavor. Yeah, like um, they have mint and they're rosemary. They're pretty good. Yeah. Basil, that kind of stuff. And the reason why is that a lot of the flavor in those herbs is water soluble and glycerin is anything that's water soluble will be soluble in glycerin. So those are really good. Berries are pretty good too. Like they're Your blackberry, uh, blackberry is so good. blueberry. Yeah. So, and that's what got me, but I started kind of making my own because I wanted them to be, those are, I think all natural, but they're not all, they have a lot of, they call it want with other natural flavors. So like, when you get the blackberry, it's not just blackberry. It's a combination of things that taste. It includes blackberry, but tastes kind of right. it has colorants in it. So I, I'm, I'm kind of making my own. But yeah, I do still appreciate those moaning things. Some of them are not very good, like the grapefruit. I don't know what the hell's in there. <laughs> um, but some of them are really good. Yeah. Yeah. So I bring them up mainly because I don't often come across products that I feel are little life hacks for mobile bars. Yeah, And I really felt like Monin enabled me to keep my inventory down, keep the quality right. of my cocktails high, do volume, um, right. which if anybody who knows, like if you get a 300 person wedding and they're going to do blackberry mojitos, for example, like you better have a lot of blackberry citrus syrup or like whatever on hand, right? Especially sure. with mint, you know, people like to make mint simple syrup and then you heat the mint. And once you heat the mint, you actually degrade the mint. It gives it kind right. of a weird aftertaste in some cases. But I love that you're creating your own product. Uh, tell me, is it at, is it to market yet? Not to, not yet. It would have been, except for I have to go through all the process of getting it approved for production from like a food safety standpoint. And that is all done by universities. And right when I was getting ready to send it in, all of the universities shut down. Ah. Uh, yeah. So I'm I making it. Across it a, I said, um, I stumbled across it. a website. <laughs> You first. You're the host. I said I was. I stumbled across a website the other day at, looking for your website, and I think I found your new mixer website. Really, it's HappyCamperCocktailCo.com. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I was, I was don't, through, if I, you go there, don't order it right now because I don't have any products <laughs> legally made to ship you. But I, I almost a, said to you like, a, congrats on the new website because I, oh, I didn't, thanks. I mean, I knew, I knew you were doing a bunch of different things, but I didn't right. know that that's kind of the title that you were going to give it. So yeah, that's how my life works. I have like 85 projects that are halfway done at any given time. I so don't know at all what that's feel. like. Yeah, <laughs> I need to go start knocking them out. Uh, so I'm going to make like my ginger beer syrup so you can make a keg of Moscow mules or you can make other cool products that have ginger in it, like a um, penicillin or that kind of stuff. A mojito mix that is also kind of just a good lime sour mix or you can make like South Sides, just all that kind of stuff. And then various fruits so you can make your own, like if you want to make something with blackberry, pretty much be a direct replacement for that Mona and stuff. But I think it'll be a little better and a little price competitive too. Well, I also like selling it. it in bigger packages in foil packs. I think you saw those and I took them down to Swig, yeah. Yeah, and I love them. I love the, yeah. the they look more recyclable too. They are and they're gonna be perfectly measured. So like when you have a five gallon keg, you just dump one keg of black or one pack of blackberry in it. So you're done. Way to meet the needs of us mobile bar owners. That's what I'm doing. And everybody I'm talking because I'm getting it going back to your point about not making mixers out of your house, I'm getting it done professionally. And everybody's like you should put it in a bag and box. And I'm like, well, nobody wants to hook a thing of blackberry syrup up to a Coke machine. <laughs> like, like this is for people who are pouring it into a keg. And you're like, yeah, but they could buy five gallons at a time. I'm like, they don't want five gallons at a time. <laughs> they want 500 milliliters at a time. I don't, nobody understands what I'm doing. And I'm like, well, there's a small group of people who are really going to get it. Like anybody who's batching cocktails is going to understand it. And everyone else, what the hell is this? That's right. Why, yeah, why does he have but a it's a real pain point for us because not right. all of us want to go out and subscribe to a commissary and then yeah. actually go to the commissary every week to make all of our simple syrups. And not everybody lives in a city like my own where I can just call up our local kind of bar prep company and be like, hey, right. can I get 10 gallons of simple syrup unflavored so that right, I can right. flavor it based on what I need? So, Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. There's also on the topic of products that you like or would like to use probably, there's a, Tarani has a line that's called Pure Made that is like all natural syrups, just sugary syrups. They're great. They're like they have a blood orange syrup that I love. Those are not, they're, I don't think they're clarified. So you couldn't use them in any carbonated cocktails, but they're great for like shaking cocktails and stuff. No, it's I Tarani. use their blood orange syrup. Yeah, Tarani, which is a competitor of Monin. Yeah. I don't really like Monin or Tarani's regular lines just because I don't use artificial flavors or preservatives and they have a lot of that. But they both kind of now are getting more into the all natural stuff that's and those sugary syrups are pretty much just fruit and sugar, so they hold up really well. Yeah, they're simple and good. I know that Monin has an organic line. Which is yeah, nice. they're all coming out with that now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And now that I'm kind of getting into the production side of the industry, I understand why everything is the way it is and why it's more expensive. And it's really interesting, but yeah. It's been quite a process for you. You've always been such a purist, which is one of my favorite things about you. Um, yeah. To see you kind of go through this process of production which is what makes it the way it is now is that there has to be some compromise. Right. Right. And the compromise is usually it just costs more honestly. And, but I'm trying to put out the products that I myself have been making for me for five years. Cause I know if I like it and my customers like it, then other mobile bar owners and regular bar owners who are batching cocktails will like it and their customers will like it too. So I have the benefit of these have been served to a hundred thousand people or something, you know? So Nice. Nice to know. You know, going in, a lot of people have had this and tried it. It's been good. That's awesome. When is your next scheduled event? 
August. Everything is cleared all the way through August. What about yourself? Yeah. So my next one isn't till September, actually. Yeah. It's like the yeah. first week in September, but then it's like everything's happening September, right. October, November, and December. Yeah. If events are viable, this fall is going to be very busy for all of us, I think. And yeah. next year is going to be insane from all the reschedules. Yeah. And, and part of me thinks whether the fall is viable or not, events are going They're to gonna happen just because people are done being good. <laughs> They've listened. They've done all the right things up until this point, And now the rebel comes out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably right. As long as we don't get to where like Italy was or something where people are dying on hospital floors because there aren't enough beds, yeah. then they might reschedule their ceremony. But otherwise, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Let's, let's hope we don't get to that point. I sure hope not. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Matt, is there anything, anything else about batching that you want to touch on? I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. So a big thing, a big issue with batching is chilling and dilution, right? So like in your normal, in your normal way of making cocktails, you're kind of doing both at the same time. Like you take a cocktail, you put it on some ice, you shake it, the ice melts, the drink gets cold. When you're batching, you are typically not doing that. You can, if you're in a hurry, you can batch all the non-alcoholic ingredients or all of the ingredients other than ice, put the ice in there, blend it with a stick or whatever you want to do and then batch it out. But usually what I do, I personally use my cocktail calc website to just figure out how much water to dilute it. Shameless plug, but you can actually do that with the free version of the site. And I add water to it and then I refrigerate it so that it's cold. And that's the big thing that you have to do. Anytime you batch a cocktail, you have to be cognizant of the dilution because an undiluted cocktail, is you would think it would be awesome. It is not. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, an even more potent whiskey sour. It's really just a kick in the tongue. So what you do... It kind of depends on how you're going to serve it. If you're batching a cocktail out so that you're going to put it like, let's say, one gallon jugs or big swing top bottles that you pour into a glass, then you're going to want to dilute it and refrigerate it or ice it down. If you're doing some sort of serving thing, like a, those big, uh, I don't know what you call them, but they're like a pitcher with a spout on it, like a punch kind of situation or a punch bowl. A lot of people, it drives me nuts, but a lot of people will throw ice into that. And then that ice melts. So what happens is the first drinks are under diluted and then the last drinks are over diluted. And there's like a short window in the middle where the drink is actually decent. So I personally will never serve like a punch bowl with ice in it. But what you can do is you can freeze the ice in something. You kind of have to make it look less ghetto, but you could freeze it in like little packs and drop it in there so that it melts, but it doesn't dilute the drink. Doesn't um, melt as fast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just, it melts, but it doesn't leak into the drink because it's in a pouch or whatever. Oh, I know. see what you're saying. Not to remove yeah. it from the pouch. Yeah. Like I'll take uh, deli containers, like a one liter deli container, fill it with water, cap it, freeze it, drop it in there. Because yeah, I just, I'm a big fan of controlling the dilution because you have one of those big cocktail dispensers and it's always, so you're always getting a watery drink by the end. Yeah. Totally. And, yeah. and the one thing that I've noticed from using your cocktail calc religiously for probably almost two years now <laughs> is that in Nashville, it's so hot here that if right. I use the full dilution that is recommended by your calculator, that yeah, ice, by the, really the ice melts really fast, even if it's cold because they're out in sure. 95 degree heat and it's humid, which causes a greater dilution or uh, sure. ice melts faster in humidity. So you cut it down a little? Um, so I just cut it down a little bit uh -huh. to compensate for the fact that I know as soon as it hits that glass and it hits that person's hot hand, that it's mm -hmm. going to start diluting. But that makes sense. I mean, aside from that, I, your cocktail calculator is literally like right. my right hand during busy season. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Because when you think about classic cocktail recipes, they're not 
typically meant to be outdoors 95 degrees on ice. Right. So the, calcu- yeah. the calculator was created specifically for those classic cocktails, not necessarily. Right. The, uh, yeah. It's meant to emulate what would happen if you shook the cocktail, right? Like mm-hmm. It actually uses a formula that Dave Arnold came up with throughout many trial and trials and hitting a curve in Excel or something. So. Have you have you ever met him? Yeah. He's he's a, he's a trip. I would he's pay money. I would pay money to have you and him in the same room talking he cocktail. Yeah, we haven't <laughs> been able to talk that much. He's very opposed to draft cocktails, and I would one day love a chance to change his mind on that. Oh my god, I would sponsor that event. <laughs> <laughs> I would yeah. love to see that go down because you're both so analytical and so scientific about your approach to cocktails, and yeah. it just seems like you guys would. Fit. Listening to you guys would be an amazing experience for all of us who were able to kind of. Yeah, honestly, I was kind of like fanboying out because, you know, he's, I don't really care about celebrity or anything like that. <laughs> I, met, I met Dave Arnold and I was like, uh, I like your stuff. I like but, you so much. Yeah, you know, I've been following him for so long and so much of what I do is based on things I learned from him. So, <laughs> like, look at my website. Like the Albert Einstein of modernist cocktails. So, look just figured my, out everything. Look at the website I built based on your Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So That's awesome. it was, yeah, it wasn't that great. <laughs> <laughs> One of my finer so what you're saying is you want another opportunity to make a better impression. Yeah. 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 And it's funny. I used to, you know, I used to play poker for a living and I would play with a lot of A-list celebrities and whatever. They're just like people. But then I meet Dev Arnold. And like, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. That. But he's a super nice guy. Or at least he's very tolerant. So, so yeah. Well, let me say, if he was to put out another book, about batching mm-hmm. cocktails, which mm-hmm. I don't think that's something that he's like overly keen to I don't do. Think he likes it. Yeah. No, I don't think he is. But the reality is, like, I've read some great punch books written by amazing mm-hmm. cocktail enthusiasts as well. And mm-hmm. I think personally, if he was to ever want to branch out into the practice of batching cocktails, you would probably come up as someone that he should bounce ideas around. Right. Yeah. I know he specifically doesn't like kegged carbonated cocktails because he feels like they are undercarbonated, and I understand why, but I disagree. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. We could prove him otherwise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Life goals. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. It's always such yeah. a pleasure. For, yeah, for those listening, again, it's Matt Maroon with Happy Camper Bar Car. He is also coming out with a new list of mobile bar-specific mixers not necessarily just for mobile bars but they are going to be a huge benefit to mobile bars and if you haven't already hit up cocktailcalc.com it's a fantastic website literally saves me hours of work and recalibration every summer and uh yeah that's it for today thanks good talking to you cheers And that wraps up today's episode. I hope it was valuable. I would love to hear from you what you thought. You can drop me a line at hello at mobilebevpros.com or find me on Instagram at mobilebevpros. If you're looking for more valuable mobile bar related content, we have a website full of it. You can find us at www.mobilebevpros.com. And I'd love to see you in our Facebook community, also by the name of, you guessed it, Mobile Bev Pros. Thank you for joining me today. And until next time, cheers.